According to his power that is at work within us to Hello everyone. Welcome to our second episode of The Safety Experts by Spear and Lancaster. I am Jerome Spear and I will be your host today. And we have a couple people in our studio today, um, my co-host and my business partner and brother in Christ, Jeremy Lancaster. Hello, everyone. And we have our special guest today, Barry Glisson. And thanks for being here, Barry. Thank you for having me. And we're going to be talking about a, a tragic incident that happened several years ago. And we'll get into that in just a little bit. But before we do so, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, kind of your background, what you do for work to these okay. days. Well, I'm Barry Glisson. I've been living in Houston, Texas for about the, since 1999. I've been friends with Jeremy since like the early 80s. Uh, presently, uh, for like the last 21 years, I had a tree service here in Houston, Texas. Okay. So you have a tree service? Okay. Well, around here we have a lot of trees, so so that probably keeps you pretty busy, right? Yes, okay, that's good. That's one thing I think about with you, with you Barry, and it fits into the discussion and storyline that we're going to talk about today is uh, Barry got his undergraduate. He's got a, a business degree, I believe, but his whole life, Barry's done hands-on type work from working with his uh, dad that uh, recently passed of at the age of how old was James when he ninety two years old as a as a brick mason and Barry will probably touch on that more but fits fits into the story and stuff that when we talk about construction safety today you've done that pretty much your entire life. yeah I've been since I was really young yeah yeah well today we're going to talk specifically about a, a trenching um, uh, event or, or tragic event that occurred several years ago and um, it's something that still happens. Um, Jeremy, Jeremy and I get calls about trenching fatalities on a, on a routine basis, and currently there's about 35 fatalities that occur each year in the U.S. Um, that are uh, trenching fatalities, and about two-thirds of those are, occur in trenches that are less than 10 feet. So we're not talking about deep trenches um, where, where most of these occur. And what's really alarming is last year OSHA sent out a – uh, an announcement about the alarming r- rise in trenching-related fatalities as well. And so this incident we're going to talk about t- today did, did not happen recently, right? It happened several years ago. When, when did it uh, happen? 1987. 1987. So it actually be 30, 36 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was summer, right? Summer yeah. of 1987. July. July, yeah. Okay, so how, how old were you? I was 19. 19, so you're still a teenager then. So was this a summer job, or was you working full-time for this? Uh, it was a summer job. Like, Dwayne had started before I had, and then I'd be, I feel like my seventh or eighth day there help, helping out. Okay, so you were only there seven or eight yes, days. Did. did you have prior trenching experience? No. Okay. All right. And um, what, tell us a little bit about, about what was the purpose of the trench, the work y'all were doing out there. So they were replacing the old sewer lines from like way back in the early 1900s and are bringing some kind of uh, new newfangled stuff through a pipe that uh, wouldn't deteriorate. Before, it was kind of like a clay type thing the, the pipes were made out of. Pipes were made out of clay? Okay, I was going to ask you what... what what the type what type of pipe it was? So they were, they were bust, like they'd bust them apart and then they'd slip 
they're using backhoes and stuff. They would slip the new pipe through the old pipe to replace it, and then they'd have to make like they'd have uh, other pipes coming off of side streets and stuff, and they'd cut holes and stuff in that pipe to make connections. And so basically, uh, I was, me and Dwayne were kind of like muscle guys. Like we were down in there busting the pipe out, and they had back holes, digging everything out, excavating that out. Um, so this is our hometown that Barry's describing. This is in West West Tennessee, a small uh, town of around uh, 11, 12,000 people maybe at the at the time, and uh, doing uh, doing sewer work for the city, I believe, is you know yeah. for the for uh, okay. uh, city repair work. And so, what what was the size of the crew approximately? How many people? How many employees? Workers were there. About five. About five. So I, I figure, and it's, it's it's typical. A small size crew is typical of a a um, civil type work or installing lines. Or yeah, there's seven. Lines. I forgot. There's two other guys. I forgot. Okay. Yeah. So tell us, um, um, kind of take us through kind of a sequence of events. What happened there as far as um, um, how deep the trench was? What y'all were doing? What happened? Um, and who was there? And things like that. So they were digging up. This wasn't the first hole that I that we had done uh they go through they dig up basically half the side of the road like half of the street and they're going down about uh, i think it's like 10 maybe 10 or 12 foot tops it wasn't that was really deep mm-hmm. and uh so what was the long side of the road is that what you're no 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 they was in the middle of the road like okay. like this, this part was like they'd, they'd bust out they dug up the asphalt okay. and, and they were digging down and they were checking to, and then like on this particular hole the water is a water main that was running across the top of the hole, kind of like a, kind of like at a, not not straight, but like at an angle, like from the middle of the road it was cutting through and it was going through, and um, so it was up in the air, uh, probably like uh, maybe like two or three feet below the road surface, and so they were digging, you know, they were digging around that delicately so they didn't bust that, mm-hmm. and um, but before. We'd had other holes where there wasn't there wasn't a water main running across the yeah. top of it, and they'd dig down. And in those holes, every once in a while, like they were, I remember them saying, like, ah, we don't really need to put a trench or something in there because you know it's it slows down it's, and it's not that deep or whatever. Well, you had a line, an existing line running through that trench, right? So yes, so yeah, I mean, that particular one. I, mean, yes. I had a case like that too. That was, you know, where they had an existing line and. I mean, you can put a trench box in there, or you can use shoring in there, and we'll talk about that. But it makes it a little bit more time-consuming to do that, you know. And on this one, they had it's because it was elevated. They would have had probably they had to work it around it because because of where how it was located. But the other ones, they weren't even putting those in for the other ones that there wasn't a water. Like they dig way out and they say, "Oh, it's not going to fall or whatever," and then. It's time because it takes time to put that thing. Now, now you, you, you say they busted out the, the the asphalt in the railway, but you still had asphalt on, on both sides of the trenches. No, you, on this particular one, uh, no. Most time you only have it on uh, one side. Okay. Like half the street was open or not open. They have they'd have a truck over there, but like half of it wasn't dug up. The other half would be dug up. So okay. Barry, you said you just started. Uh a few days, a week or so prior to that, uh, you, you, you might have indirectly touched on that, but I want to do that again, because when we get to the end of this uh, discussion, uh, Jerome and I will cycle back around uh, some of the mitigation systems that were lacking uh, for, for lessons learned for everybody. But did, did you get any type of uh, formal awareness or training or, or overviews on trenching and excavation no. before no. you uh, started this, the job? Clu- clueless on it. We were, we were kind of at the mercy of the, the two foreman guys, uh, and they were like 24, 25 years old. And we're just, basically, we're doing what they were telling us to do. 
Because like, Dwayne, Dwayne hadn't even been in that much longer than me, maybe a couple, three weeks or so. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right, so back to the day this happened. So we have an existing water line in the trench. The trench was about 10 to 12 feet deep mm-hmm. or so. What You know what, about what type of soil this is we're talking about? You know, I don't remember. Like I, I know, I tell you this, I can tell you this. It was, it was pretty, it's pretty dry because like it, it was, it was like, I don't think it was clay because it was caving in pretty, like on previous holes, like the dirt would like kind of fall out, yeah. you know, right? pretty easily. Yeah. So definitely not type A. So probably type B or type C is, is how we define. So, uh, and these, the, the walls of the trench, they were nine degrees or were they, they weren't sloped or anything like that? No, they're pretty much 90 degrees, yeah. Pretty much yeah. straight down, yeah. right? Yeah, straight down. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And then so so tell us about exactly then, you know, what happened, uh, um, you know, from there on out. And what, what time of day was this? Uh, this was midday. Midday? Yeah, it's midday. Um, well, like earlier in the day, we'd been digging everything out, and we got a lot of the dirt out of there. And then I told you earlier, I believe that they, uh, you know, they just said, uh, it's, it's going to be really difficult, and we're just going to go ahead and go with it, be okay. Like, sort of thing. Well, what's going to be difficult? Like, because you had the water main run across the top. And so there's like, eh, it's okay. It's it's pretty steady. We're not going to have to worry about that. It's okay. So somebody made a decision, a supervisor or somebody like that made a decision. Okay. The two, the two younger guys, like 24, 25. Okay. And uh, so, as I said, it was really hot. So we we're taking turns about working, getting in a hole. Like, there'd be like two guys in the hole, two, two guys out of the hole, and then... The, you know, because it's really hot, and um, I'd been I'd been maybe like tops four or five minutes, mm-hmm. and then I remember them. I don't know who moved the truck, but I remember them telling them to move the. There was a dump truck on the one side of the road that hadn't been, uh, uh, it wasn't dug up, and they had them. They were having to move it closer because I think I don't I don't remember why, but they had to move it. I remember that whenever I got out, I don't know if it was, he had me move it or somebody else move it, but they had to move it closer to the edge. They moved the truck closer. Yeah, they moved it for how, some reason. How I think close to the edge. Uh, it's a, it was probably about a couple of feet away, but I forgot why. I think it was easy because he had the, the thing there, and I think he was still having to get a little bit of dirt and stuff out of there or something. Okay, so when, when y'all were in the trench, were y'all shoveling dirt and, and hauling some loose dirt out, or what were y'all doing in the trench? Uh, we down when we were in there. Well, we, some of the time we were having to dig. We have to dig around the pipe because you couldn't use the uh, the, backhoe. the backhoe. Yeah, so we're digging around that, getting the dirt out of the way, and then we're busting out the old pipe while they were slipping the new pipe through it. And then we'd have to use, they'd have like come-alongs and stuff like that and chains and you'd chain it to the new pipe in certain areas because you had the pipe busted out, mm-hmm. but you would strap it around the new pipe and then with a the, with the backhoe, they're pushing it through, mm-hmm. getting it to go through the old pipe. But, so I'd gotten out and then Dwayne was down there and I think he was making a connection to a side pipe that was coming off another street or something. And all I remember is just like, it's caved in like a big old chunk of the asphalt and the dirt caved in and when it did it hit the main that was running across the top and when it did the water just started pouring in and I looked and I, I looked in there and I saw Dwayne was like covered up in um, dirt and asphalt and so I, I just jumped in because I, I just saw where his head was at I, I knew the area he was at so I jumped in the hole and I grabbed him and I, and I fell on his head and so I picked him up but I got him up like this and then one of the other guys grabbed him, and I jumped out. We're all looking for something like a water, because we see the water filling so fast that um, we know there's not going to be any time. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking around, and we can't find a water hose or anything. We're just looking for something, and we're all kind of in a panic, but it's like that water was pouring in so fast. It was over his head, like, bam. And it, uh, pretty quick, and then, like, and it took a while, you know, they get there, but obviously it was 
going to be too late for him anyways mm-hmm. because the time rescue squad and people got there, it was oh, – but it was, it was fast. Like, as soon as – because of that – I think it was three th- – you remember? I think it was like three thousand gallons of water a minute or something. It was like cra- yeah, no. crazy amount of water that was coming in there. Yeah. So what busted the pipe? The, the asphalt that fell on it? It was the. Dirt? It was probably it was the as combination of the asphalt and dirt because it just it just like it all came it like. And it wasn't that. It was a. It wasn't like the whole thing. It was just like it's not as much as you would think. Right, right. Well, we're ta- you know actually um, the. Um, the weight of dirt is heavy. Yeah. And you're talking about a cubic yard of dirt weighs about 3,000 pounds. So most fatalities happen due to blunt force trauma is the cause of death. You know, from my review of autopsy reports and things like that. And, and, and so that's just, that's enough to kill a person just from the, from the, the force of the dirt. And here you have asphalt on top of that, which actually adds to the weight, adds to the stress and adds to the, the failure, likely. And I didn't ask you about where the spoil piles were. I mean, how, were they away from the edge of the trench? Or yeah, they yeah, they're, they're away. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, of course, they had to wait. All In hindsight, looking back, now that I'm a little bit older and through the years, I'm like, okay, that's just totally stupid to have that dump truck sitting mm-hmm. three, two or three feet from the edge, you know. Yeah. Uh, crazy because that's heavy of itself and, and then think about that they're, they're getting the dirt out of there and every time they get the dirt out of the they're empty and they're dropping the dirt into the back of the truck mm-hmm. so that's pounding so yeah. breaks it loose but um yeah and i just remember like whenever they all hit Dwayne, because like I, I was in on top of him like that because i saw where he was at but like he was just so just because like it really it's just like bam you know it hit him pretty hard yeah we'll be right back after this break Baron Lancaster is an expert safety, process safety, and industrial hygiene consulting firm dedicated to helping organizations increase profits through the use of risk management and incident prevention techniques. Baron Lancaster has over 60 years of combined experience assisting hundreds of national and international organizations in achieving greater profitability by reducing workplace risk. So, you know, we, we've mentioned a couple times talking about uh, uh, Dwayne, yeah. and uh, this is actually the first time that Barry and I have uh, sat together and talked this much in depth around it, and we're, we're going to do our uh, best to get through it together. But I'd, I'd mentioned this on the previous podcast and, and don't know if every, if anyone even listened or picked up on it, but yeah, the, the other person that, that it's being mentioned in this. Uh, Dwayne was, was my older brother, and this incident happened in uh, actually on July sixteenth, nineteen eighty seven. So that's thirty six years ago. Just turned thirty six years ago when I lost uh, my one and only uh, brother. And as we kind of talk through this today, you know, our goal is is for people to learn through it, uh, us to be able to talk through this together. And uh, there's a lot of takeaways. Barry's already talked about a lot of them. But, yeah, the connections. We, we all grew up together, a small town in West Tennessee. Uh, Barry and Dwayne, you guys were the same age, uh, graduated high school together. I was two years uh, behind them. This is uh, going into my senior year of high school, uh, Jerome. I still didn't have a clear path of what I wanted to do from a profession. Uh, I think it's uh, a blessing that I ended up being uh, having a degree in occupational safety and health. Uh, let me ask you this about your relationship with, with Dwayne um, growing up. I mean, tell me a little bit about that. I mean, he was two years older. 
Um, y'all hang out together? What, what kind of things did y'all do together? Yeah, yeah, we did T- typical younger older brother relationship. Uh, he was a great mentor to me. Uh, neither one of us were, uh, as again, also as I mentioned in the uh, bo- both Christians, none of us. But when I say that, none of us perfect uh, growing up. We all had our issues, but great relationship, great family relationship. We had a, a twenty six acres. In West Tennessee, where Barry also all all the kids our age, high school, there's a hangout place where everybody came out. Uh, Dwayne, I think of more of uh, Barry and I were more into sports formally all the time. Uh, Dwayne was uh, '80s uh, rock and roll into music a little bit more on the country outdoors hunting side. Uh, had a had a Jeep uh, Wrangler that he loved uh, driving driving all the time. But yeah, we had a had a great uh, relationship. Typical adjoining bedrooms. Uh, Barry, Barry even lived in the bedroom after it was the first person to ever stay in Dwayne's room after Dwayne passed away. So we had adjoining bedrooms, uh, shared bathroom. Uh, what do they call them? His his and hers bathrooms. And yeah, that that was our life uh, mm-hmm. growing up uh, growing up together. We were a very very close relationship. Yeah. Think about him. Uh, think about him every day. Right. Well, I mean. Certainly um, must have been devastating when you found out about the tragic news. How did, how did you find out about your brother was no longer with us? So, yeah, uh, points in time that people remember, right, when you have a tragic event. As I mentioned, this is in 1987, so no—I don't think cell phones. No, I don't think no, so. no. I don't think cell phones were around. Uh, I, was, I was working— uh, for doing summer work for my grandfather, of which Barry also had a, cro- a close relationship. This is my dad's dad, uh, Don, that we've talked about before, my grandfather, who's since passed. But I was working for him a few miles out of town doing uh, summer work with him when I remember him and my aunt, I believe, got the telephone call. And I actually... Uh, 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 Good, good or bad, I showed up at the construction site also, and my mom did. My mom did also. Um, shortly after Dwayne's uh, body was recovered, mm-hmm. how long did it take to recover Dwayne? No, that's a pretty long time. I, it's, I'm just guessing, but over thirty minutes, probably between thirty minutes to an hour, something like that. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty long time. That I remember they finally had to put they run a strap around his body and. Um, so obviously they had a, found a way to shut the water off, right? Did they? You know what? Somebody got to that pretty quick, but man, there was so much water already coming through the pipe. Yeah, yeah they did. They did, They got to that pretty quick, pretty fast on that. Okay, and, and um, um, emergency rescue personnel arrived. How long did it take for them to arrive on the scene? Yeah, that was probably twenty or thirty minutes. Oh, that long? It was, it, I, I could be wrong, but it, was, it wasn't. It wasn't fast, like from the from the time it happened. It was it, it took a bit, yeah. And those are back back to being a small town. Those are uh, people we knew. Uh, won't won't mention names, but uh, uh, and we're very grateful for them. But but yeah, the rescue personnel and the lead yeah. rescue person are people that my mom and dad uh, grew up with. Went to went to high school. One of the lead, uh, two actually two of the rescue personnel were uh, no no cell phones. Yeah, right. Back, yeah, yeah. So it's. Yeah, it, so took, it took a while for her to get the phone call. So what was it? Was it the um, um, fire rescue people that arrived and, and, and helped with the um, rescue? I believe first he's an EMT, a cop, a poli- police. I know the policeman. 
The police arrived, and then EMTs were there first. Okay. And then, um, did they use any any um, protection to extract the body, um, or how did they go about doing that? Did they have? You know, I've seen videos of rescue operations, people, you know, extracting, recovering, you know, bodies from trenches that collapse, you know, and it's, sometimes it's a chore to do that. And you have safety harnesses that, that they use and they have, they shore it up um, before to make it safe for before anyone goes that can enter. Honestly, I don't think they did. Like, at, at that particular time, I, 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 I... Had you ever seen a safety harness on the job or used no. one or... No, there's no, no, nobody, no. It was, in hindsight, looking back, because I've obviously paid a lot more attention to that kind of stuff since then, is, uh, yeah, no, no safety harnesses or, or anything like that. Yeah. <clears throat> Nothing like that. Okay. Um, all right, let's, let's go back to, obviously, there was no um, protective systems used in this trench, and uh, three primary protective systems are going to be um, – Shoring, shielding, or sloping. Um, and so shielding is like trench boxes where, where people are protected if, if a cave-in occurs. Shoring is to prevent a trench trench walls from collapsing. Is you have sheeting on both on alongside the walls of the trench, and you use hydraulic jacks to exert pressure against the walls to prevent the, the trench walls from collapsing. And then you have sloping or benching. It's a form of sloping as well, which so you slope the trench so um, it's at its uh, natural slope of soil. Um, so you, you eliminate the the. the possibility of trench walls from collapsing so there's none of that on the site obviously you couldn't could not slope it based on the location of the roadway and and things on site right yeah I, um yeah i think so i think they probably weren't sloping it because because the asphalt was right there and, it, and like so they do one hole and after you get that completed they'd fill it back in and everything and then move move back and i think they're trying to do is Probably the least amount of damage to the roadway as possible. So, was there a trench box on I think they site? Did they I believe. Your... I think they had one. I'm pretty. I think they did have one. They had one on site. Yeah, I just don't think they were using it. Again, Jerome, Jerome's mentioned stuff about cases and things that we work with. Uh, again, th th those are things that we still see happening today. Yeah. Uh, thir Thirty-six years uh, later, where uh, trench boxes are on site, but. Nobody wants to take the time uh, and, and spend the money to use them each time you're setting up. And right. And the other option is shoring. So, I mean, e either way, whatever system, you know, trend or um, shielding or shoring has to be, um, they have to be engineer systems. Um, but there's services out there. Um, you can call uh, United Rentals or Trench Safety, which is another company. You can call them up there. They can bring a, a trench box of the right size and, and has all its tabulated data that's available for it. Or they can come out and shore it up, shore a trench up. And, I mean, there's a fee associated with that. But, I mean, you call the experts and they can they can be on site and, and do that for, for you. So... Um, so I didn't have any of that. That brings to the question as, as far as, and you kind of alluded to as far as, you know, we like to ask safety professionals, we like to ask the questions, why weren't these things on site? You know, that's when we do root cause analysis. That's kind of one of the most, most important questions to try to answer is why. And you kind of alluded to, to this a little bit. So what do you think were, was the reasons why protective systems were not being used? Speed. So 
time is money. And I think that pretty much goes in any any kind of safety situation. It's like even in my industry right now, it's like I'll have people like, well, you can do this tree for a certain amount of money. And I said, well, no, it's going to cost us this money because we have to do do it safely. And like sometimes we'll get somewhere right now in my industry, and I was like, yeah, we're not getting that tree. It's too too deadly. You're going to have to bring a crane out here, and it's going to add like $4,000 to the cost. Mm-hmm. Well, those people don't want to pay the extra money. Right, so I'm sure the small town that we lived in, they were probably trying to get the job done as cheaply as possible. So they probably hired that company to come in. They, I'm sure, it was probably a low bid, and the way probably the guys will get paid, the faster they got finished, the more money they made probably. Right. So uh, it's all about time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's common. And municipality jobs commonly based on low bid, yeah. so um, cost is factor. Um, a lot of times we're not talking about sophisticated contractors who do this type of work either. Um, so as far as having a well-developed safety program, having full, full-time full safety professionals on site, site or, or available within the company to help plan, there's a certain amount of planning that needs to happen when you do some, a high-risk activity such as any sort of trenching. It's going to be it's a high-risk activity. So it, I, in my, my opinion, a lot of it goes back to lack of planning. Lack of experience. Uh, the OSHA standards has been around since prior to that time. The trenching safety, trenching excavation standards have been around prior, since prior to that time. Um, and in that standard, they require a competent person to be on site. And a competent person um, is someone who has knowledge to recognize the hazards and knowledge to correct those hazards and has the, the authority to correct those hazards. In a nutshell, that's not the exact definition, but that's my summary of paraphrasing of it. Uh, of it, so t- so typically that would be a supervisor. You know, whether or not they had training to be a competent person, probably doesn't sound like it because I don't think if they appreciate the hazards, they probably wouldn't ignored it. Um, but I mean, what was there in your opinion? For looking back, you think there was a competent person on site? Have yeah. you ever heard that word? You, I know you're only on the job <clears throat> a short period of time, but is that? Had you heard that word used? Excavation competent person or no? No, no, that. As a matter, matter of fact, um, the the two younger guys who were with the company that was doing it, that was like the foreman guys. Um, they were very. And looking back on it at the time. I'm young, not thinking about it. I'm sure Dwayne wasn't thinking about it either, you know. Uh, but those guys are like out every night, the night before. They were coming in. They every time, almost every single day, they had a hangar, right? And they were just kind of like just going through the motions, and you could just tell. And that, now that I look back on it, I realize it. But they weren't in a honestly. They probably weren't. They weren't in a state of mind to actually be running a crew. Mm-hmm. Again, that's that's no different. You know, you, you think about all the different industries and companies today. When when people are young, starting their careers, whether that's part time, full time jobs, uh, graduating college and starting a career, you rely on uh, your your supervisor, your manager. Um, people always say challenge and and question, and and I think we're getting better at that in the industry. But the reality is you rely on your supervisor when you're first learning because you don't starting out because you don't know. Right. So you got to have a lot of trust and faith yeah. of that person yeah, that yeah, you're yeah, yeah, yeah. working for because yeah. you want to do a good job. Yeah. So. Um, and now you were able to escape, but you were actually in a trench when it when it collapsed. Right. Well, you outside the trench. You OK. OK. 
and he went in to try to yeah. try to recover him. Okay, and so you were close friends with with Barry, all right? So yeah, yeah. So um, and obviously this had an impact had some had a major impact on you alive. Tell me about you know what kind of impact this event had on your life. It was tough. It was like think about it a lot, right? Both of us do. I mean, it's. You know, while Barry's getting his thoughts together, first thing I think about Jerome, and, and we'll talk more in a minute uh, around some of the impacts on, on to my family, but first thing I think about is scarred. You're scarred, scarred for life mm-hmm. on something like this. Now, Jeremy, you know, I know um, sometimes, look, you know, over the years, because I lost a brother as well, and uh, an older brother, I'd say, um, when I was 19, 18 um, and I would get somewhat jealous you know, I would see two brothers as adults kind of doing things together you know I, I feel a loss and a little bit of you know sadness you know because I look, I dwell on what I missed out on did you ever experience that M- maybe some what, what I think about a lot is is um, I feel Maybe not selfish, but I feel that that uh, I look at it every time that I start feeling down on myself of things that aren't going right in my life. Um, I, I and I do this every day, and, and sometimes it helps, and sometimes it doesn't. But you know, I've, I've been blessed on earth with a family, uh, boys, uh, being able to live. Again, Dwayne was 19. I'm 53 now. So more than twice, you know, the amount of time that he was, he was able to be with us and be with, be with, uh, um, around my parents and stuff. So those are, those are things I think about Jerome is, is, uh, um, I'm blessed and got to do a lot of things that he never even had the, the opportunity to do. My oldest son now, uh, Cody, has lived, uh, you know, lived longer than. So I, I have to be thankful uh, when I'm when I'm when I do have um, possible jealousy or, or remorse. I, I, I work hard to turn it into being thankful pretty, pretty quick. Easy to say, hard, hard to hard to do so. Well, that's, that's key because if you search the Bible, it talks about um, expressing gratitude, you know, and, and talks about that for that's God's will for you, Christ Jesus, is is um, being thankful in all circumstances. Paul talks about that, and and so that's a very positive outlook to have, you know. Um, and so that's it goes brings us back to our faith, and I'm sure through your faith is how you got. Through, through that um, and continue to get through it so um, um, so any any closing comments regarding how to prevent this these types of incidents from happening Jeremy or Barry well yeah but I'll share some more thoughts in a minute I, I wanted to make sure I you know we, we talk about impacts and, and then I'll give it back to, to Barry again I know it's hard for us to talk about and if there's anything that you want to share there but but you know from, from an impact standpoint you know 36 years later in us trying to share this message around learnings and, and the scarring that happens you know my 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 parents my mom and dad who again blessed and are both still living and Barry has a has a, had a great relationship with my parents even before the incident occurred and after uh, back to our close community that we had uh, 
my mom and dad won't be able to listen to this. I would never ask them to um, for this podcast. They've never asked uh, questions, you know, around uh, around what's uh, what's happened because uh, um, it's still, you know, it's still too difficult. You know, it's difficult for them to be able to go through it. So when you, when you when people are are doing jobs like this. Um, and, and you get the circumstances like Barry's talked through around wanting to skip steps. You know, most most of the time you're going to get away with it. But then, you know, when uh, there's that one time that, that it doesn't and then it impacts uh, families for for uh, generations. So uh, families struggle. They struggle when events like this occur. Yeah. Well, um appreciate you being here and opening up. And it takes... Um, takes a lot to, to rehash some of those memories and appreciate that. And, and the whole point of bringing this on is, is to, um, to share the story at a personal level. Um, so people can, um, share this with that. Be sure to follow us on LinkedIn and visit our website at jespear.com. Thanks, Barry. Thanks for being here. And, and according to his power that is at work.